Welcome to Conversations with Cynthia. Cynthia Hyatt is a Christian psychotherapist specializing in trauma therapy, couples, relationships, and personal development. She is passionate about your life and is here to encourage, teach, and inspire you to be your own best version. Find her online at CynthiaHyatt.com. That's C-I-N-T-H-I-A-H-I-E-T-T.com. Now, with today's fresh insights, Cynthia Hyatt. Well, good afternoon. Thank you for joining me today. I'm Cynthia Hyatt, your host. And we are doing this whole entire week on relationships. And we are first really focusing on relationship with God and with ourself. When we get that healed, get a handle on that, our relationships with others are going to flow much better and be far less complicated. So this is really important. As we talked about yesterday, this idea of, of being made in the image of God and that there are, are five ways, six ways that we are made in God's image. And so I want to make sure that you go to the website and listen to that show because that really talks about our identity. And knowing who we are has everything to do with how well we will relate with others. We've done lots of shows on codependency. We're going to probably focus on some of that next week. Because when we don't know who we are, our relationships become very complicated. If we don't know who we are and we don't accept who we are, we don't recognize our own value and our own worth, then our relationships are are going to falter because we're going to be trying to get things from that other person that they are not able to give us. Only God can give us value. Only God can give us worth and esteem. And so we're going to talk today about how we see ourselves and what happens when we don't have an appropriate self-concept. And so our beliefs produce thoughts, Our thoughts produce feelings, and feelings generally become action. So our beliefs about who we are are deep within the core of our being, and they're rarely a conscious thought. Our beliefs truly were developed through training from our parents. And so we, you know, generation after generation after generation, we pass down how we view ourselves. So how my parents viewed themselves was directly translated to me. They taught me how to view myself. And so our, our, our beliefs are also developed through teachers, society, churches, right? And society has a great deal of impact on the way we view ourselves, how we perceive ourselves, whether or not we think we are someone of value. And, and so there's this whole comparison problem that we, we, we fall into is that we, we, wow, am I better than this person, but I'm not as good as that person. And, and so we're constantly externalizing where we get our feelings of worth and value. And yesterday when we talked about being made in the image of God, this is where we always want to go back to our worth and value. That God valued me enough to make me, was very excited that I was born, and wants to spend eternity with me. So our worth and our value, how we feel about ourselves, we always want to go to the source. We want to go to the creator. Who created you? He's the one that gives you value and worth. 
not others, not society, not professionals, husbands, wives, boyfriends, girlfriends, children. If we are trying to get our worth and value on a horizontal level, we're going to always feel like we're lacking. When we get our worth and our value vertically, and that's from our creator, that's the thing that sustains us. That makes it very difficult for the enemy to confuse us. Because the enemy is constantly wanting to steal your value. It's not possible he can't. Jesus died for you. You are of that much value to Jesus. But he wants to steal the feeling of value. And he wants to condemn your soul into thinking that you are of no value. But we are of tremendous value. And many times it's, it, what's sad is that we don't really get to feel it as much as God would really want us to feel it. But we value humans. Think about what we do. Even if we don't like someone, we would still try to save them from a burning building. Right? Humans are of great value. I can tell you that. I can remind you of that. I can impress that upon you. But the feeling value is the difficulty. Because many of our behaviors aren't always something that we can be proud of. What, what that does then is puts us into what we call a performance-oriented trap. And this is when we try to get our worth and value out of how well we perform and what we look like, what we own, how much money we make, who we know. So we, we get into this performance-oriented behavior by trying to get all of our worth and value externally versus getting it vertically and holding it in our soul, knowing that we are of value, believing God's. God has created this, this whole idea so that we know our own value. So when we look at false beliefs, this is one of the, the, the greatest weapons that the enemy has against us. So uh, there are, there are some, some false beliefs as to how we orient ourselves. So uh, I want you to think about what do you believe? So one of the first ones is we have what we call a performance trap. This is the fear of failure. And this says, I must meet certain standards in order to feel good about myself. So it's all about performance. How well did I do today? Did people like me? How did I perform? And this performance trap really causes great amounts of anxiety. And, and we end up then not really truly being who we are and not enjoying ourselves or enjoying others as much. Because our focus is on how we're performing. The second when it comes to false beliefs is the approval addict or the person that, that, that it's the fear of rejection. So I must be accepted by certain people in order to feel good about myself. Now you're going to find yourself in all four of these. I, I just have to let you know because we all fall into these. So I either get all my good feelings about myself by how, how well I perform or I get my good feelings about myself if people accept me, if they like me. 
So the more I am what we call an approval addict, right, the more I'm going to be compelled to perform. And then we have what we call the blame game or fear of punishment or this idea of, uh, that we punish others. So this is those who fail, right, are unworthy of love and deserve to be blamed and condemned. So if I struggle with the blame game, if I struggle with fear of punishment, it still goes back to performance, still goes back to approval, but it gets compounded with this idea that if I fail, I'm unworthy of love, and I deserve to be condemned. I deserve to be punished. So when you think about that feeling, if, you're in, if you are in relationship with someone that struggles with that blame game, that, that fear of punishment, then it doesn't really matter how much you tell them you love them. They can't believe it. They can't take it in. They can't enjoy it because they keep telling you all the reasons why they don't deserve to be loved or, well, you really don't know me. And, and this leads into the fourth one, which is shame. So shame says, I am what I am. I cannot change. I am hopeless. Shame, that belief of shame says there's something inherently wrong with me. And if people find it out, they won't love me. So I have to constantly be covering. And if we go back to the Garden of Eden, right, this is where this emanates from. Adam and Eve messed up. They made a mistake, and they fell into shame. And they hid. And God had to come find them. And he said, where are you? Why are you hiding? And they said, because we're naked. And so this is where this covering comes from that we as humans do all the time. We're constantly covering what we think is bad or wrong about us, hoping that nobody finds it out, which leads back into performance, right? So if I have shame and I think that I can never change and I'm not good enough, I don't measure up, there's something inherently wrong with me, I'm flawed, right? then I'm going to act out in more approval manners. I'm, I'm wanting everybody to like me. I'm wanting to cover. I'm wanting to hide. I'm wanting to perform. And I'm afraid of being punished, of being rejected. When we have this amount of stuff going on inside of us, it makes it very difficult to relate authentically. And you can see where the enemy loves to just spin it and spin it over and over again. So how, how do these beliefs affect us? These four beliefs, performance, approval, blame, and shame. Well, they cause me to fall into perfectionism. I avoid taking risks. I might have anger, resentment that I'm trying to manage all the time. I'm angry at myself. I get angry with others. I need others to be perfect. I need myself to be perfect gives me anxiety, fear, causes pride to really be present because if I perform well, then I feel good about myself and then I really compare and contrast myself with others and I say, well, I'm better than them, but I'm not as good as that person. And so this is, this is pride. 
And pride causes me to not be able to take responsibility for mistakes because it throws me into shame. I can also have depression, low motivation, procrastination, dependencies, addictions. This is where a lot of addictions come from and self-medicating behaviors because I'm in so much emotional or psychic pain, I have to medicate it. So what's God's answer? Well, it's justification. God justifies us. In 2 Corinthians verse 521, it says, I am completely forgiven and fully pleasing to God. So when God justifies us, justification is just as if it never happened. Isn't that beautiful? That God is continuously forgiving us and justifying us and standing up for us against the enemy of our soul. So what he's doing for us when he forgives us is he's saying, he's, you're justified. You can stand on solid ground. You can, you can hold your head up high. You can be very proud of who you are. Not always proud of what you do, but proud of who you are. Because God is very proud of who you are. And he stands behind you and goes before you and never leaves you, never forsakes you. And he knows everything about you. Everything. Every thought, every feeling, every word you've spoken, every deed you've done and will do. He knows you from the beginning of your life to the very end of your life. He's already gone before you <clears throat> and he's going to be with you. He will never leave you nor will he forsake you. That's justification. So when we look at this whole idea of this performance-oriented issue, so if we fall into the performance trap, then God says, here's my antidote for you. You're justified. If we fall into the approval addict issue, right? Then God gives us Galatians chapter 1 verse 10. It says, for I am now seeking the favor of God or am I seeking the favor of men? And this is a really important concept for us to really, really take in deeply is to say all day throughout my day, where is my approval coming from? Am I seeking the approval of man or am I seeking the approval of God? Because if we are seeking the approval of man, then, then th this, this uh, equation is that my self-worth is from my performance and from others' opinions. So if my performance and others' opinions determine my self-worth, that means that every day, every moment of every day, it's up for grabs. I have to prove it. I have to make sure that you see it. And so my efforts are all about my performance and what you think of me. And what God is saying is, why are you giving that power away to humans who are mistake-making people when God, the God of the universe, who is perfect, has said, I approve of you. I approve of you to the point I laid down my life for you. So what happens when we get into that whole approval addict type of, of orientation? Well, we get lots of anger, resentment, hostility, 
We're constantly upset because we're never going to arrive. We're easily manipulated or we become more manipulating. We struggle with codependency. We might avoid people. We get into control issues, low self-esteem, identity issues, anxiety, panic attacks. I mean, this, this is an equation for failure because we will never be perfect. We will never truly measure up because the measuring up isn't about our performance. It isn't about what people think about us. We've measured up with God because God knows who we are and he's already decided he loves us. He isn't waiting to see if we perform well enough to deserve his love. He's already said, you are justified, you are valued, you are worthwhile to me, and I want to be with you for eternity. So God's answer for this whole approval issue is reconciliation. I'm totally accepted by God. And we see that in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, the love chapter. We see it also in Colossians chapter uh, 1, verses 21 and 22, if you want to look those, those up that God says, you are totally accepted. So when we fall into the blame game, or when we are really compelled by the fear of punishment or punishing others, what happens? Well, what we do is we end up being God in our own life. And God does not necessarily like it when we play him. When we decide that we're God, and he's not, and we determine what we deserve or what others deserve. God doesn't take that to that very, very kindly. And this is where we get into self-induced punishment. We have low self-esteem, self-hatred. We get compulsions, obsessive behaviors, obsessive thinking. We're bitter. And if we punish ourselves, Repeatedly, we will end up being punishing to others because we are now doing a vertical world where you deserve more punishment than I deserve or I deserve more than you deserve. And so God's answer for that is, is that he takes the wrath away. He, ta- he says, Satan wants to accuse us and condemn us, but God says, no. No, I took on that punishment for your sin. So propitiation means that the wrath of someone who's been unjustly wrong has been satisfied. And this is what Jesus did. He didn't deserve the punishment, but he took it for us so that we could be free. And this means I am deeply loved by God. So when we struggle with shame, that shame game that says I'm inherently flawed, which all of us intellectually, we know this, but what God says is I've already seen it and I've moved past it because shame creates inferiority, habitually destructive behaviors. Shame creates self-pity, passivity. Many times we will isolate, we will withdraw because we're, we're, we're embarrassed, we're, we're ashamed of ourselves. And we can't accept ourselves. 
we end up, there's dishonesty that comes with this hiding, lying, right? And this really creates more of a painful relationship for me because I'm in pain with myself. I'm in pain with God. And then I'm going to be in pain with others. So God's answer for that, that's this regeneration. And he says, listen, you are complete in Christ. You are complete. I filled in all the gaps. I filled in all the holes. I've covered all of it, all the imperfection. And that causes us to say, wow, we can walk then in freedom. We don't have to be ashamed of who we are, even though we are trapped in a fallen body that continues to want to sin. God says, I already saw it. I see it. I saw it. I know it. I already made all kinds of reconciliation for it. I've justified you. And I'm completing you. And I'm healing you. So how, how do we change? How do we change these things? Well, we, we want to really understand the difference between thoughts and feelings and what produces certain thoughts and certain feelings and where our choice really lies. See, when it comes to feelings, you know, I, I, I repeatedly say to clients, if I could choose a feeling, if I could choose what I feel, I'd be happy all the time, Right? I would love to be able to choose my feelings, but our feelings occur. They just occur. They're a response, a reaction to something. And your feelings are very personal to you. This is why when someone rejects our feelings or condemns us for a feeling, why it hurts so bad. Because our feelings are part of who we are. They're, they're the part of our makeup. They're very personal. So when we are dealing with the feelings that get created by these ways of interacting and thinking, the first thing that we do is we accept. We accept the feeling. We don't condemn ourselves for a feeling. We accept the feeling because that then gives us the ability to choose what we do with the feeling. Because if I won't accept a feeling, that feeling is going to run me. And that feeling is going to compel me and it's now going to be calling the shots. And so one of the best ways to have more positive feelings has to do with the way that I think. So I want to make sure that I am thinking in healthy and correct ways. That I have the mind of Christ. Because my thoughts create feelings. My feelings then compel me to act. So many times we are trying to intervene on the feeling when we, what we need to be doing is intervening on the thinking. So I want you to be really aware of how you think. Because your thinking creates feelings, feeling states, and your feelings then compel you to act. So this is why we want to really crucify the mind. That's where it starts. So I want you to be really on top of how you think and ask for the mind of Christ. Thank you for joining me today. Have a wonderful day. Tomorrow we have Karen Kingsbury on the show with us about her newest book. I think you'll really enjoy that. Have a great day.
To hear today's program again or to share it with someone else, please go online, CynthiaHyatt.com. That's C-I-N-T-H-I-A-H-I-E-T-T.com. Conversations with Cynthia is heard daily at 3 p.m. and 12 noon every Sunday on Faith Talk 1360 KPXQ. Follow Cynthia on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn at Cynthia Hyatt. Until next time, remember, be your own best version. Yeah.